on the Rebel Sports Network from Learfield. Live from Bailiwick, inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Welcome to the Runnin' Rebels Coaches Show, presented by Fenley Toyota. Also brought to you by Boyd Gaming, Be Connected, proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. And by Fenley Chevrolet. Frankly, we're customer-driven. Now, here are your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry. It's great to be back at Bailiwick once again for the Kevin Kruger Radio Show. I'm John Sandler. Coach Kruger will be with us in just a moment. Kurt is still a little bit under the weather, so he probably won't be able to make it tonight. Uh, and we wish him a, a speedy recovery. Nothing terribly serious, just not feeling great. So uh, he's uh, doing the wise thing and uh, laying low for a bit. But uh, we've got a great show. It's our last show of the season as the Runner Rebels, hard to believe, we're uh, we're at the end of the regular season. Runner Rebels will finish things up on Saturday down in Albuquerque as they take on the Lobos for the second time this year, looking for another sweep at Mount West Conference play and looking forward to the Mount West Conference tournament next week. If you uh, pay attention to national media at all, uh, the Rebels are starting to be touted as that team that nobody wants to face in the conference tournament uh, because of the way they're playing. Obviously, the tournament takes place at the Thomas and Mac, but uh, the fact that the team is playing so well and has continued to improve under Coach Kruger and his staff week in and week out, uh, certainly testament to their fine work in his first year. 18 and 12, 18 wins thus far. Certainly a chance to get to 20 if, if things break right or more. And uh, certainly a chance to make some noise in the Mount West Conference Tournament and beyond uh, as we see how things go. Last night on Senior Night, the Runner Rebels uh, found a way to get it done. It was a very tough game. A very physical game and a, a game dominated by defenses as the Runner Rebels took care of Wyoming, 62-54. to uh, A Wyoming team that was 23-6 and coming in and had a lot of national press and, uh, and some national rankings. And the Rebels got it done in their sole meeting of the year during the regular season. It's beginning to look very likely that those two teams will meet up again in the Mountain West Conference Tournament, but we'll worry about that later as uh, head coach Kevin Kruger joins us. Coach, thanks for being here, and thanks for dealing with the parking. And, uh, uh, the uh, you know, you, you can tell it's tournament time. The good folks of the West Coast Conference are here. Uh, Zags fans and Gales fans and Broncos fans and all of those guys are. Sorry? Pilots fans, absolutely. Portland Pilots and uh, all, of them, all of them are here, and uh, they're having a ball, and they enjoy them t- their time here in Las Vegas and at the Orleans, and the Rebels will get a taste of the conference tournament play next week. But, Coach, uh, let's start with last night. Uh, just a, a, I, I think it's sort of a paradigm effort for the team. It was a game that, uh, you know, that they needed to tough their way through, and they did it. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, that's, that's another game, and we've had a, a couple of them, and fortunately only a couple of them where Bryce didn't exactly play uh, his best offensive game, but uh, really did uh, come through with a lot of guys. I mean, the way guys guarded Maldonado, EK, um, lock, you know, stayed locked in on Jeffries, one of the best shooters in the country, and uh, then offensively just, just kind of stayed the course, stayed patient. And uh, but but knew and understood that the game was going to be won by uh, by slowing Wyoming down and, and making them take tough shots and and uh, yeah that's what the what's what the guys did. Yeah, the, the I thought the comments by Royce Ham after his spectacular game. We'll talk about that in a moment. But about in terms of needing to to just stay locked in, as you said, guarding Ek from the moment they inbound the ball, whether it's in the back wherever it is, because of, of the the challenge he presents. I thought that was tremendous. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, EK's listed at 6'9", but 
I mean, he, he seems a lot taller, uh, bigger. I mean, his arms go forever. Uh, you know, he's kind of a... a he's post- got an elevator shaft and a cafeteria downstairs. <laughs> yeah. He's an office building. Yeah, he, he's a big guy. And, you know, a lot of times, like, we talk about Bryce and how exhausting that can be to, to guard for all, every minute he's on the floor. I think EK is kind of the post version of that in the Mountain West. You've got to guard him every single play. Um, he's a threat even without the ball. Uh, you know, even if you're not guarding EK, you have to be aware of when he has it, where he's at, and, and that can take its toll. But, uh, you know, we, we had a plan. We, we spent a lot of time the, in the days leading up about possibly doubling, uh, giving him different looks. But the effort that Royce had and David had uh, and Vic had in, in short spurts on him, it, it allowed us not to have to go to that. And we were allowed to stay. We were able to stay with shooters. Our rebounding was really good. Um, and uh, I think that ended up being the difference in the game. Uh, it was Royce Ham setting the tone early. He was going to make him work. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, you, you watch that style of play. Among other things, that's a really hard style of play to officiate because he catches the ball, what, 30 times a game in the post at least, and every single time there's going to be contact, every single time they're going to be body slamming together. And I don't know, you know, if you're an official, if you, you, know, you call it one way one time, one way the other, I don't know how you differentiate because it's, it's always happening. Well, and that's what a lot of our conversations last night were just about what had happened or what they saw, what we saw. I mean, it was a lot of discussion really back and forth of, you know, at what, play, at what point of contact is the offensive player getting an advantage uh, or is the defensive player getting an advantage through contact. And uh, I thought the guys, you know, whether you think it was a, a good or a bad officiated game in terms of quality i think when we watched the game this morning it was consistent yeah they told us if our if, if you keep your hands out we're going to let you guys play and i thought the guys just did an unbelievable job of keeping their hands out letting it be really physical but uh, you can tell in games like that when it, if you leave your hands out and you slide your feet it, it doesn't turn chippy you know usually when hands are involved or in trips and things like that it can get kind of nasty at points but it never did, and I think that's uh, because those those big guys were just battling. They respected each other and they appreciated it, and uh, and I think. Uh, it, but yeah, I can't I can't imagine how hard of a game and a team that is to officiate. Yeah, that that's rough, and uh, we'll certainly keep our eye on it if there is indeed a rematch. And and just to give everybody a, a clear understanding of of where things stand in terms of the Rebels and their seating, uh, the Rebels are poised, and I, I overstated it last night. They are poised to be locked in in that fifth. Uh, seed for the Mountain West Conference Tournament. If Fresno State wins at San Diego State tonight and at Wyoming on Saturday, which obviously is a tall task, then Fresno State would finish fifth and the Rebels would finish sixth. But again, we could also just go beat New Mexico, or you could beat New Mexico exactly. So you know, I, either of those circumstances—a loss by Fresno, a win by the Rebels—and the Rebels are in, are in fifth place, and uh, they tip off. Fresno does at San Diego State at uh, at eight o'clock tonight. If you if you want to pay attention to that, but. Um, get, getting back to last night's game, and we've got a bunch of highlights that uh, I want to run through because I want to talk about last night, obviously senior night, but then I want to spend a good portion of the show talking about the first year. This is our last chance in this venue to, to discuss things. I know there's still uh, obviously a, a number of games left and, and hopefully a lot of games left, but, uh, but I thought it was a, a good opportunity to hear the fans, uh, let the fans hear you kind of reflect on what has been a, a really fun season. But let's start with uh, the guy we were talking about. It was senior night. I thought the, the ceremony was great. Uh, it was great to see the guys out there with their parents. Uh, I, I, I understand that's, that's the first time Mike Nuga's mom had been able to see him play. 
That's yeah. amazing. For, since high school. His first game that uh, his mom has seen him play in, in the last four years. That's awesome. So that was great. And Mike, uh, Mike got a, a lot done in the first half as well. Uh, Royce, uh, you know, he's, he's an old-timer. I, I think his folks probably were in Texas last year. So uh, he was escorted out by Donovan, which I thought was great. Those two are great buds. And, boy, did he have a great first half and a great game. Let's listen to some of the highlights for Royce Ham. Jordan McCabe front court leaves it for Iwako out top to Ham. He'll shoot a three straight away, and he'll hit it. Why not? It's every game, it seems. An early three from the top of the key for Royce Ham Jr., and the Rebels lead three to nothing. Ham drives. Ham gets rid of two guys, turns, and lays it in. Nice little head fake by Royce Ham. Had two Wyoming players flying out of bounds and then was left all alone. So it's Royce Ham five, Wyoming three. Hamilton, pardon me, bounces inside to Ham. Nice pass. Royce Ham turns and lays it in. Rebels up three, 44-41. Just three examples of Royce's work knocking down the, the now traditional uh, first three of the game from the top of the key. The great little head fake and pump fake in the lane that had two Wyoming players just flying out of the way for the layup and then the, the terrific pass, the high-low game between him and, and Bryce Hamilton. Yeah, you know, on senior night, you, there's a lot of, of questions just because it's an emotional night. Uh, you, you know, you, it's something, the, the finality of it, it, it all kind of comes to you pretty quickly in that in that situation. And, you know, you're not sure some guys it affects, some guys it doesn't. But Royce came out and, and you know, aggressive. And he wanted to make it a, a good start. He, he had talked all the day before about just getting a win because, uh, as we talked about last night after the game, it's, you know, you, you, the, the details of the game and the day start to fade throughout time. But, you know, you'll always remember who you played and what the result was. So uh, it was great to hear him in the locker room talk to the guys about uh, what the game had meant to him and what the year had meant. And uh, so he's one of those guys you're just really excited and happy that he could go out and have that experience on senior night. He, he, and you talked about it last night in our postgame interview. Royce Ham Jr. is the exact same person today that he was the first day he showed up in Las Vegas. His consistency at a very high level, both in terms of character and in terms of effort and execution, has been remarkable. Yeah, it's, I think that's one of the reasons he's gotten better. Uh, you know, he attempted two threes at Texas in four years, and then he comes here and becomes a, uh, you know, a forty percent three point shooter in conference or above forty percent. It just, it just kind of shows that you know by having that same approach every day and that same uh, mentality of of just getting better, putting your head down. Um, you know, you know, you can you can get better throughout, even though the seasons are short and. Uh, uh, they feel like a while, but there's not a lot of time to get individually better once the season starts, but Royce has continued to do it. Other guys have gotten better as well, and we put together a little highlight package that kind of gives us a, a little glimpse into the future from last night's game. Guys who uh, figure to be part of this Runner Rebel program going forward and be part of the foundation that you and your staff has built, have built. But here are highlights from, uh, from a few guys that we look forward to watching not only the rest of this season, but for years to come. Mike's going to drive. He'll stop at the foul line. Now reverse back down the lane. Double clutch scoop shot, no good. Put up and in by a trailing Vicky Wako on the offensive boards. Reynolds gets the ball to EK. EK double team, so they get the ball to Odin. Odin's dunk attempt is blocked by Mwaka, and he grabs the rebound. What a play by David. Rice comes across the left side, down the left side to Gilbert in the corner for a three, and Keyshawn hits it. Rice bounces to Iwako. Out to Williams, alone for a three. Donovan's three is good. Big shot by D. Will. 51-47 runner Rebels. Vicky Wako, David Mwaka, Keyshawn Gilbert, Donovan Williams, four names that runner Rebel fans have come to know this year and will get to know even better in the future. 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, as we talked at, on the first show about, you know, that's a, that's a group of guys, well, and Keyshawn being a freshman, the other guys have the option of actually being sophomores this year with that COVID year. So uh, uh, they're the types of guys we wanted to build this program with going forward just on, on their character and their work ethic. And, uh, and again, I think because of their character, their work ethic, their drive, they've uh, continued to progress throughout the year. And, and each of them had terrific plays. Vic had a rough stretch, and immediately, and it's really remarkable, he's kind of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde on the court, because he had a rough stretch, a couple of turnovers and a, and, a fa- and a bad foul, and then immediately had two huge impact plays on defense. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Vic knows that's where he, his calling card is. Uh, you know, he, he was asked to guard a lot of different people at the Big 12 level at Oklahoma, and, and coming here, you know, he's not going to shy away from anybody, regardless of, you know, he's, a, he's also a guy, I, he probably doesn't know what Hunter Maltonado is averaging uh, points-wise per night. He just goes out there, he guards him, guards EK. Uh, he had a, a, a play where he's guarding Drake Jeffries. Uh, he's just, he's a versatile defender that I think, uh, you know, it, it's kind of a bummer he didn't, he wasn't able to be healthy from day one because I think he's a guy that with a handful of reps and kind of a continued to a routine, he's going to get a lot better really fast. And that's going to happen, obviously, next year, knock on wood, that he's healthy. David Mwaka, nobody has improved more than him. Yeah, David, again, same thing. You know, he's, he's, he's got the same approach every day, he, uh, and he was patient. You know, he came in here kind of thinking he was going to redshirt potentially and just spend the year getting bigger, uh, better. But then with the injury with uh, James Hampshire, he was kind of put into a, into a role with responsibility pretty quick. And mentally, took a little bit of a time to adjust. But I think going against Royce every day, going against Vic and 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 even Reese, just just having those guys, watching those guys play with confidence and play with a little bit of a swagger and security. I think uh, David's probably made the most progress of anyone. There's no question about it. Uh, I love the sequence. It wasn't the highlight you heard. I love the sequence last night with Keyshawn, where he was. I, I, I think he was guarding. Uh, it might have been Thompson. I freak, no, it wasn't Thompson. Uh, one, of the, one of their backup guards. And he stole the ball from him, but he wasn't able to control it. And he went back to the kid, and he threw a pass. I think it was down to Jeffries toward the block. And Keyshawn said, okay, I'll go take it from him. And he just went and took the ball away. Uh, it was remarkable. Yeah, he was guarding Robertson at the Robertson, top, okay, and then yeah. he passed it. And uh, I, I think he noticed the kid bobble it, yeah. so he just went and took it <laughs> and then went the other way. But Keyshawn, obviously a fan favorite. Um, got local ties. Uh, you know, you know what my dad always used to joke about. You know, steals, dunks, and threes. You know that is what the 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 Thomas and Mac loves, and nothing gets the Thomas and Mac going like steals, dunks, and threes. And while Keyshawn's not dunking a lot, and his shooting's getting better, he's uh, he's provided plenty of steals and defense this year. What what do you? I mean, I remember talking about Bryce Hamilton. Uh, you know, with with various coaches, with, with Coach Brown, who uh, Eric Brown, who recruited him, and and. And he said, don't worry about Bryce. He's going to be a 1,000-point scorer before it's all done. He's just going to get better and better. And, and, I mean, look what happened. It's exactly that. What is going to happen with Keyshawn Gilbert in your mind? How do you project him? I think Keyshawn, you know, right now the only thing that's, uh, that he's got to really focus on this spring and summer is just becoming a consistent uh, catch-and-shoot threat. Um, he's got the intangibles. He's got the experience. He played at a really high level in high school. Um, he's got the drive. He's got kind of that, that healthy hate you know, of, of just, you know, he hates to get beat. He, he hates for that guy to think he's, that, that he's better than him. And, uh, you know, when you've got that fueling you, uh, you know, the, the sky is the limit. And uh, I think as, he, as his shot continues to improve, 
Um, you know, he just turned 18 at the end of the last calendar year. Probably one of the younger college basketball players in the country. And uh, so he is going to physically and mentally, the strides he's going to make, you know, week in and week out, I, I think, uh, you know, next November, I'm, I'm not even sure we're going to recognize him. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, there's a potential for just an absolute blossom and explosion with Keyshawn. And, and speaking of explosiveness and explosion, Donovan Williams, uh, you know, obviously hampered by uh, an injury kind of two-thirds of the way through the season this year, and but starting to feel it again and get back a little bit to that form that we saw earlier. Donovan's going to have a little bit of a different role next year. Obviously, the roster is going to change a little bit. You're going to bring other players in. We'll talk about that later. But he's going to be a big piece of the puzzle next year for the runner Rebels. Is a lot of what he needs to do between the years rather than on the court? Without, without a doubt. You know, Donovan is somebody, again, you know, two not having a role or a responsibility uh, daily, not just in games, but, you know, when you, when you walk into that role that he's, uh, that he's had this year, you know, we, we rely on him every day to have an attitude and a, an approach. And I think he, he's grown as much as anyone mentally through this year, and he's tough through a lot of things. But, uh, you know, I think a, a lot of what Donovan does is, uh, that, that has led to his success is his patience. Yeah, you know, he doesn't, you know, when he forces a shot, he knows it. But uh, he plays off the guys well. He's shooting the ball at an incredibly high rate because he doesn't force or take a lot of bad shots. And uh, I think this spring and summer will be big for him because that's a lot of stuff we can just show him. You know, you don't need to become anything other than what you are right now. You just uh, can continue to get better at it. That, that's, a, that's a great way of putting it. And, and, and then, of course, the guy who, uh, who really, you know, it was Royce Ham's game for the Runner Rebels in the first half. In the second half, it was Justin Webster's game. And there were three spectacular plays. Here they are. Donovan in the middle of the floor. Over to Webster. Webster, a three from the right side. Is good. And boy, do the Rebels need that. Ties the game at 40. Justin still with the ball with eight, with seven. Justin comes right side. Stops. 17-foot jumper. What a shot. It's a two for Justin Webster. What a shot. Oh, in the hands of Jeffries. And then Justin Webster takes it away. And they foul Hamilton. Justin Webster having a tremendous night. What a play, heads-up play by Webster with that steal. And those last two were really the things that sealed the victory in that tough game. Justin Webster, and I'm going to use the word finally because we we knew he was a very good player. More than maybe any of of, of the new guys, it took him a longer time to kind of find his footing and, and, and feel comfortable. But last night certainly is coming out party. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Webb came in and gave a huge spark and then and carried it throughout the entire second half. I, I think, you know, Webb's such a nice guy. He's such a great guy that, you know, had he been a little maybe meaner and a little more confrontational early, uh, early in the year, we, it might have happened sooner, but at the same time, it, it would have disrupted the locker room, disrupted the rhythm, and, and he's not going to do that. And so to see him have an impact like that in a game that was – a huge opportunity for the group to get better and, and for us to play well in front of a great crowd. Uh, you know, you can't be happier for a guy than, than you can for, for Justin. And, uh, but, but that's what he can do. We think that's something that Justin can do. And, and next year, of course, with Bryce leaving, I think we, we certainly expect that Justin can do things like last night on a much, much more regular basis. And, and before we take our break, because afterwards we're going to kind of turn our attention to a, a little bit higher level view of the year and then in the program, uh, you bring Bryce up. Uh, Wyoming, I, I, I joked in a tweet that they had the entire population of the state of Wyoming guarding him, and it seemed, seemed like that at times. Uh, invariably, any time Bryce uh, started to move laterally, 
Uh, a second guy, usually a big, would come out to double him, uh, and they did a great job. But give him credit. He didn't try to force too many shots, and he was able to find teammates and, and, and play through it and got 15 points and helped him to the win. Uh, I, did, he was frustrated. Uh, first time all year I've seen him talk to an official, uh, and, and, but he was able to get through it. Yeah, I think, you know, what, you know he was a little rattled, but he, he had some shots that he usually has been, yeah. he's been making. But uh, I thought, you know, Ducell, Odin, uh, Wenzel, I thought they did, they did a really good job. They were physical. Uh, they they traded it, kind of traded him off throughout the the course of the night, but uh, I, I just thought they did a really good job of, of staying in front and kind of making his shots just a little tougher than they've been lately. But uh, you know, again, to go eight of eight from the line, you know, that shows that he, he was still locked in. You know, he still provided some some scoring there, still with 15 points, uh, a couple good passes out of the traps. But uh, yeah, again, it kind of goes back to the way you started the show. Webb picked it up, Royce picked it up to start. And, uh, it, you know, it, it was a good sign and a gr- great thing to see because, you know, as you mentioned, we'll talk about here coming up, but uh, from day one to, to, to that is almost like a, a, a little bit of validation to, to what the guys have been doing and how they've been working to get a team win like that. Before we take the break, Bryce's mom was here. I know she was a huge part of him coming back to the program. Uh, did you get a chance to chat with them about the decision and, and how it's turned out? Uh, yeah, so I got to see Jamie before the game and talk to her for a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, everybody should know that, that Jamie is the reason he came back. You know, it wasn't the coaches. It wasn't the, you know, the, I mean, there, was, there were only a couple players committed to us when he decided to come back. I mean, his mom was the reason he decided to stay at UNLV. And, you know, I told her last night because I saw her and she immediately just started crying. You know, she was so happy. And I told her that she had to stay because I'm a simple crier so when I see somebody cry I start crying so there we are just standing about an hour before the game just like crying nobody knows what's going on and but uh no she I mean she's just so proud of him and she should be I mean he is he's done nothing but deal with changes and you know coming to he actually came to college at 17 uh, three different head coaches um, could have gone to a number of different places uh, this past summer but but just uh, you know loves UNLV and uh, loves being a, a running rebel and you know, he's going to end up up almost towards 2,000 points for his career. And, uh, you know, we just couldn't be more thankful as a staff that he decided to kind of go through this year with us. Yeah, we talked about it in the broadcast last night. If you think about what he's done, you know, top 10 all-time scorer in UNLV history, uh, that, that says it, you know, enough. But you factor in three different coaching staffs, not just head coaches, but coaching staffs, assistants, guys you deal with every day, other personnel in the program changing different athletic directors different different styles of play all of that having dealt you know he's 17 when he comes and a year after he's here everybody he knows who brought him to las vegas is gone and he stuck with it and it's it's a tremendous story you know and it and it belongs uh you know in that top level of stories about runner rebel basketball in in its history Oh, without question. I mean, he passed, you know, to pass a guy like Larry Johnson uh, for in the all-time scorings, it, it's, it, it puts your name up there when you talk about the greats. Uh, you know, it, I, unfortunately, you know, hadn't been able to play in a postseason, but, you know, you can't deny the, the, the work and the, the progress that he made and the, the efficiency and how much more efficient and better he got throughout the four years. And, and his dedication to getting better, uh, as you said, it, it has paid off, and uh, we look forward to great things 
to continue for Bryce as the season continues for the Runner Rebels. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, as I said, we're going to take more of a kind of a global view of the year and, and of, uh, take a look into the future a little bit as well. I want to remind you that EOS is a better gym, better price, EOS Fitness, proud partner of UNLV Athletics. Back with more Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino and the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. Back here at Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. John Sandler, Steve Cofield joining us now along with head coach Kevin Kruger. Runner Rebels finishing up the regular season Saturday night with uh, another one of those wonderful 9 p.m. Mountain Time tip-offs in the pit against uh, New Mexico, finishing up the regular season against the Lobos, and then we'll uh, open Mountain West Conference tournament play in all likelihood on Thursday afternoon, uh, still uh, waiting to lock that down. But uh, if, if you're... If you're a gambling person, you live in Las Vegas, right, uh, I'd go ahead and get tickets for that, uh, that noon session, the two games, noon and 2.30. Rebels likely to be in that 2.30 game uh, on, on Thursday uh, in the first round of the Mount West Conference Tournament. Coach, we, we spent some time talking, obviously, about last night's game and, and the players and, and, uh, and, and, and you know, both uh, present and future for the Runner Rebels using some of those highlights. But I wanted to kind of walk you back through the season a little bit, let you reflect, and then uh, maybe have a little fun, play a little word association, get some, get some thoughts from you on, uh, on the year. Uh, yeah, I thought we'd spring that on you this, uh, this year. Uh, you know, you start the season with three home games, and, and coming into the season, how much did you know about this team? You'd been with them for a couple of months in the summertime, but in terms of what you were going to get on the floor when you took the we- the, row, uh, the court against Gardner-Webb back on the 10th of November, uh, how much did you know about this team? Well, we knew we knew we were we were, we were bigger. We knew we were physical. We knew we were older. Um, the one thing we had no preparation for was we got bit by the injury injury bug really early. Um, yeah, no, and then, you know, Jordan missed the entire summer. He had a little slight meniscus tear. Um, then uh, our, in the first minute of our first closed-door scrimmage, Vic separates his shoulder. Um, you know, the, the first week of practice, James Hampshire separates his shoulder. So we, we, we went from very quickly being older and bigger to almost very thin yeah. and yeah. small. And... Uh, so when we went to the Gardner-Webb game, which Jordan also had to miss because he played in a, in a summer league game, but uh, we didn't really know what to expect, but we knew we were going to give a great effort defensively. We spent almost all our time in the, non, or in the uh, summer and the fall leading up to official practice uh, working on our defense. So uh, I think we held Gardner-Webb maybe to the low 30s, 31% from yep. the field. Um, we just didn't have any rhythm offensively. We we were still learning each other, figuring it out. And uh, but I think uh, you know when you got again guys, nine new guys from the portal, ten overall when you count Keyshawn. It, it's it's not something where you can just run a whole bunch of sweet, tricky offensive stuff. You've got to let them kind of learn each other. And and uh, so we wanted to hang our hat defensively, and and the guys did it and uh, came out to Gardner Webb and and uh, and fought like crazy and. And Gardner Webb shown that they're 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 a good basketball team this year and and uh, hung on for a win, but uh, it's good we did because uh, that that non conference schedule was no joke. No, it wasn't. You won the first three games and they were all very similar. Uh, kind of you kind of back and forth affairs fell behind uh, in the second half and then came from behind to win each of those three games. And I think it showed the mental toughness of this team and the and the fight that they had. 
Yeah, and I think uh, you know, being older, that's where that came in. Um, just guys that didn't uh, didn't panic, get uh, too overworked about call, falling uh, behind in the second half, and uh, but just staying with it. And uh, you know, again, uh, North Dakota State, you know, Bryce making plays there at the end. Cal uh, just guarding, guarding like crazy down the stretch, and uh, and rebounding, and then. You know, Royce with uh, back-to-back blocks to save both the North Dakota State and the Cal yep. game in the last possession. Uh, it just kind of showed, I think, what, what we had the potential of being and, and that we had a great starting point. It was also interesting in those first three games. I think two of the three games, you guys didn't shoot the three ball well at all. And I just wonder as a coach, because the players kept saying, hey, we can shoot the three, but it, it didn't look good early on. No, I think a lot of that just just comes from finding each other. And and not only did we not shoot the three ball well in those three games, we didn't shoot it well in the non-conference at all. And uh, I think that, you know, once the conference came around, we've, we've been a really good team, you know, shooting uh, percentage from the, from three. But I just think that came through time and reps, just opportunities, learn, you know, figuring each other out, who, how each other move, you know, when they drive, where are they looking? Like little things that you don't even think about, your instincts kick in. But if you don't have a lot of time with people – you know, those instincts just don't have enough time to kind of learn each other. And we, you know, we, we, we pounded that drum heavily early this season that it was going to take time for this group to come together, but they showed promise and they showed flashes. Uh, it took a while to kind of put it together for 40 minutes or close to. Well, you went through the stretch, obviously, the tough games uh, against Michigan, the, 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 the robbery that was the Wichita State loss that I still count as a win. Um, the, the games against UCLA and then the two incredibly difficult road games against SMU and USF, both of whom have shown how good they are through the, through the season. Uh, but you, you began to get healthy when you came back and you played uh, a, a Seattle team that's turned out to be a really good basketball team and Hartford and, and began to work your way toward the beginning of conference. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the coming back from San Francisco, I just think it showed a lot of, of, of kind of grit and toughness by the guys that, there was an opportunity there to disband and splinter, but uh, they didn't want to do that. You know, they knew that they could, you know, if they stuck together, they had shown that they, they could stop people. And we, we had guys from Oklahoma, West Virginia, Texas that, that had seen winning. They had seen what, what it was like to win, and, and they felt that, you know, the foundation and the, and the core of the group of what they were doing every day could, could lead to winning. And I think that at the end of the day is why, why we didn't splinter. You think back with the way you're playing right now, a little frustrating, some of the results. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of what ifs, right? You know, you hate to do it, but, you know, of course, you know, we'll sit back and say, well, gosh, what if this had happened? What if that had happened? Uh, but I don't know if the frustration necessarily comes from anything we could have controlled. Right. Um, and of course, we'll, we'll beat ourselves up in the spring about coaching decisions and strategy. And man, if we would have just seen this earlier, that sooner. Or, but uh, a lot of it was out of control. I mean, we, we knew what Vic was capable of. But did we really know what Vic was capable of? I mean, I think, you know, we've held now, I think, two of our last three, two of our last four opponents in the Thomas and Mac to their lowest offensive rating of the year. And, uh, that, you know, that's without question in large part to a guy like Vic. And it's not solely because of Vic, but it's just he's that instrumental of a piece for us defensively. You know, I was looking at the NCAA tournament bracket and, you know, the teams that are in and the teams on the edge. And I was trying to think of the best team you played all year. And it, I, I guess it would be UCLA, right? And then I thought about the first half at SMU. I'm not sure that we want to recap that one because it, it was rough. I don't and, remember what happened. Right? And, <laughs> and SMU's now on the bubble. And I'm thinking back. I'm like, that team was as good as any we've seen this year. Well, I, I think it was a weird spot for you guys. And you, and just like San Francisco, there were moments in the San Francisco game where it just didn't work for like 15 minutes. They're good teams. I don't think they were – 
in the end that good. Yeah. Well, and I think, uh, you know, the, the, with the exception of the SMU game, even the, the UCLA game and the San Francisco game had a lot of parallels with the at 10 minutes, 9 minutes, we were down 7 or 8 points. You know, that, I mean, that is striking distance. And UCLA was number two at the time. San Francisco on the road who's probably going to be in the NCAA tournament as well. You know, I think that that's where that might have maybe frustration came in of what could we have done different to kind of put those guys in that situation so that when that eight-minute mark comes around and, and we're three possessions down, so we have to get a stop and a score uh, to kind of keep it, to get it going our direction. Like, what could we have done that, that would be different to better prepare the guys for that moment? But... You know, there's no teacher-like experience, and uh, I think having those games, though, as frustrating, especially as SMU and San Francisco were, I don't think you, there's any doubt that you could say, you know, we, Wyoming, Colorado State, or, I mean, if we don't go through that, do we end up winning those games? Yeah. Reno yeah. on the road. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think all the coach speak would tell you that, no, you wouldn't win them. And just because the way the non-con went against some of those teams – doesn't mean these coming years are going to shy away from an aggressive schedule, right? I mean, you have to play a good schedule in the non-con. Absolutely. And, I mean, that's what people want to see. I think the fans want to see games. The guys want to see or play against the, the best they can play. The, the, I think that the most frustrating part about scheduling, though, is the calendar. Uh, you know, you, you're, you're just you're, you're, you're limited. You know, there's certain things you can do on certain days, and you've got to decide days off, travel, this, that, school, uh, all those factors that go into it. But, I mean, we're going to try to play the best possible schedule we can play with, with you know, national recognized named teams coming into the Thomas Mack. So, you know, more traditional historic rivalries that go all the way back to the Tark days to, to kind of remind fans and get fans back to support the guys. But uh, we're, we're, we're not finished with our schedule yet. We actually met on it today. But I think it should be a very fun and exciting schedule. Uh, for next year as well. No doubt about it. Well, after after that stretch, uh, the Rebels built momentum, won four straight, and played really well, especially offensively. Really had it clicking uh, leading into the, the conference uh, schedule. You battled with San Diego State at home. Their experience and size was just a little too much for the runner Rebels at that time. And then, of course, you get postponed. You're off for 10 days. You don't know if you're playing. Another game's postponed. You win, you lose. It, it got real herky-jerky for a couple of weeks there. And you weren't able to develop any, any real momentum or consistency. I think the game that, that really kind of lit the fire for the runner Rebels was the game at Colorado State. What do you remember? about the preparation and then the things that happened during that game where a lot of different switches kind of came on at the same time. Yeah, I think the, the thing I remember the most about that game is we were, we were shorthanded again, no Donovan, yeah. no Bake. Um, but it, it really did just have the feel of just a handful of guys that were going to go into, into a situation where they knew they were going to be underdogs, not expected a lot, uh, to just go fight and compete and, and, and play hard and and I think, you know, when that first media came around, we felt good. That second media came around. Then we started to get a little confidence. Like, okay, we can, even though we're shorthanded, we haven't had a lot of reps with the, the guys that are on the floor even. Uh, we saw some lineups out there with David and Royce together. I mean, we, we've never done, we had never right. done that up to that point in the year. Um, but if you didn't know that and you were just watching, you, I don't know if you would have been able to pick up on that because they, they just played hard. They played for each other. But uh, the confidence continued to grow and, and started to grow with that game. And, and you could just sense in the locker room afterwards that the guys kind of felt like, no, no, no this, can, this doesn't need to be something with, that we take a step back from. We can take this and continue to get better. And from that point, you've won 7 of 10. Uh, we're, we, we're a little time limited right now. 
but uh, you know, it has been uh, a, a for you. It has to be, and for your staff, it's got to be gratifying because the conference is as good as it's been in a very, very long time. And to win seven of ten in conference play, given all you've dealt with, and and the way things started in that herky jerky manner, means that the guys have bought in. The game plans have been terrific, and the execution has been what you wanted. Well, and I think, yeah, we, we talk about with the guys a lot that when you say the execution has been terrific and the, and the game plans have been good, a lot of times they get, the game plan, the guys just make a play, and they put out a fire or they do something, and, and they, they alter even that game plan, and I think that's where that difference came. You know, roles got a little more defined at Colorado State, a little more cemented on what can be brought and what can be expected every single day and while you don't expect 42 every night from Bryce you know he's going to score you know he's going to be aggressive so Mike you got to find these opportunities where you can get an open catch and shoot three you know David you got to find these opportunities to be a consistent threat at the rim for guys and a, and a defensive stronghold a uh, kind of an anchor in the paint and I think uh, that game really just kind of gave everybody just a little bit of a relief and or a sense of confidence that you know no matter what they do they, they can go out and help for a win yeah on that csu game i think it was a pick me up for you i don't know if you remember before the game i talked to you for two minutes right so i look over and coach Kruger's kind of in the corner and you're just watching right and i walk up and you almost seem kind of bummed and you said to me man i just kind of feel bad for the guys because they haven't had a chance to play healthy and all together and you knew you were going to missing guys that night and, I, and then i walked across and the players came out in a huddle and there was a, like a lot of energy we gotta you know we gotta pick each other up and then they did it but I, I told the story the other day. We were talking to Eric Harper, the AD, and I said that's, that's the kind of quality guy Coach Kruger is that, you know, he could be concerned about, you know, if it's going to be a win or a loss and how it reflects on him. And you said, no, I feel bad for the guys. Well, it, and a lot of the injuries, you know, you walk into a locker room, you walk into a, a, a shoot-around. You know, we had a guy get hurt in warm-ups this year. You know, where Donovan, you know, something that we think we'll talk about overuse with the schedule, but... Uh, with the real with the restructuring, but you know you walk into a game and at that age you you want you like routine you like rhythm, you know there's a comfort and a security there, and then all of a sudden one of your teammates isn't playing, and you can just see it. It just can it sem- it seemed to be almost like a waterfall where every week it was just somebody different, and uh, I they were playing well, we had confidence going, but we just couldn't quite seem to get that 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 or that footing really and. Uh, but again, I mean, Vic, Royce kind of showed what they can do defensively, how many people they can guard, and Bryce showed what he can do offensively, and um, that that'll be a game that'll be that that we'll remember for a long time as our on our staff. No, no doubt about it. And, and you made reference to uh, the scheduling and the overuse, and we won't bring up the fact that San Diego State is not playing two games and not having to go through that. They're the only team in the conference that's uh, that's getting. Uh, such a such a scheduling break where they didn't have to play. But we won't bring it up. Six and 11 days. No, we're not bringing that Let's up. Let's not though. talk about yeah, it. we're not talking about it. All right, what we are going to do is take another break, and uh, when we come back, we'll, uh, we'll have a little fun with Kevin and, and get his thoughts on, on his first year as head coach of the Runner Rebels. I want to remind you that uh, Finley Chevrolet is located in the southwest at 215 in South Rainbow, Nevada's number one Chevrolet volume dealership. Frankly, they are customer-driven. You are listening to the Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel Casino and the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. All right, back here at Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. John Sandler, Steve Cofield, and head coach Kevin Kruger run a Rebels final regular season game Saturday night 
at uh, the pit in Albuquerque. We'll be on the air at 7.30 Las Vegas time with Run and Rebel warm-up and 8 o'clock with the tip and then the Rebels in Mount West Conference play at the Thomas & Mack next week, likely to be in the 2.30 tip on Thursday uh, in that 4-5 game, but that's not you know, set in stone yet. All right, Coach, uh, thought we'd have some fun. Uh, ask you some questions and see and uh, get you to respond. Thinking about your first season as head coach of the Runner Rebels, uh, what was what was the scariest? What was the most nervous moment for you uh, in the role? Was it the first practice? Was it the first game? Well, there's there's two things that come to mind. Uh, the first night, so after Desiree and President Whitfield called, I actually had to take my wife's friends to the airport. So I had to kind of stay calm and quiet there. But then when I got home, you know, made some calls, you know. The, the, but that night I remember just kind of laying in bed like, well, I hope, hope we can do it. Because like, <laughs> we, we got it. So uh, hope it works out. Like, can we? <laughs> Oh, I, th- I think the answer is yes. I think it's a resounding, resounding yes. You know, there's definitely that that hesitancy and that delay in confidence where you're like did i bite off more that i could chew here like is is there something but then the gardner web game for sure i mean i was a mess just walking around i couldn't stop walking around the game never seemed to start it just was the longest day there ever was up early and uh those two though were, were without a doubt uh the most nervous i've been since uh on the professional side, of course. <laughs> you did add to your family this yeah, season. Yeah, you might want to mention that's that. Why I jumped out in front on that yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it, I made sure to you know take a whole week off for the birth of my second daughter, Viv. Um, or at least that's how we're going to remember it. <laughs> and, uh, a week, a <laughs> couple hours. Week, you know, what a what? Yeah. You know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, November baby as a basketball coach. Uh, can be a little interesting. Yeah. Steve Hansen would not be proud. Of no, you. well, Alon and Barb, you know, they yeah. did. You know, me and my sister were May and June, so uh, they had something figured out. And Allie and I went for October and November. So well done. You know, we compromised. So, yeah. but but that that I love the candor. You know, uh, lying in bed, going, uh oh, what I what I get myself into here. Um, best moment, worst moment. I think the best moment would probably be since last night. I mean, just. You know, the kind of the accumulation of everything is just, you know, you can go. I mean, I remember walking in, asking Deshaun, do you want to stay? He said, yeah. I said, great. And I walked out. I asked Buck. I said, you want to stay? He said, yep. I said, Kristen. So that one took about 45 seconds. Like those, those little things. Then, then when Coach Hartman told me and Buck he was going to join, how excited we were. Then Brandon Chappelle deciding that he, I mean, just all of that, you know, getting – I mean, you guys saw the videos with Royce when he when he showed up on campus at the Thomas and Mac and how excited he was, and then to see his that same exact excitement last night, um, it just kind of it would be hard to pick one over the other. But you know, last night would be tough to beat on senior night. It's such a special night, but uh, you know, I don't know if if there was one instance, maybe not one moment, but when the guys got here. And they were just so excited to have that opportunity and the role that they wanted. And we, Ricky and Maddie got to, to film that. And we'll have that forever. Just that, that youthful innocence and excitement of a new opportunity was, 
it was just so much fun, and I, and I really can't wait for the guys coming in next year to, to do the same thing. You know, I, I get the opportunity to be around Kevin and his staff and, and different staffs throughout the years and, and, you know, other coaching staffs and other sports. And one thing that always happens is at some point you're on a bus and you, you're, you're talking about different things, and all of a sudden you start telling a story. You remember this kid, you remember this guy, and everybody starts laughing because something happened that was, that was funny. Is there something that happened this year that's going to be that story in 10 years that you can, that you can talk about? Oh, yeah, that I can. Um, let's see here. Uh, do you have a, an editing button over there? <laughs> no, but, uh, no there, there are so many, and there, there's just so I mean, like one that comes to mind is, you know, I've got a picture on my phone of, you know, Keyshawn, he ran into Will Baker in the game up at Reno. And if you pause the clip at the exact right time, he looks dead. Like, he, he's got both arms on the ground, and we teased him about that for uh, ever since the day we played Reno. And I think that's those moments where, you know, five years, ten years from now, we'll be, do you remember that picture we took of Keyshawn where he was just laying on the ground? Now, he got up and he got back in the play, but if you pause it at the right side, uh, there's just so many to count because I mean the staff likes each other, the the, the players like each other, um, the bus trips are fun. We don't, as you know, we don't just sit in silence right. and make everybody you know real tense. We try to keep it loose and and, and fun, and yeah, that that ha- ends up happening quite a bit. And, and and I will say, you know, one of the most impressive things about this staff is their rationality, the fact that they understand kids today, they understand when it's time to 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 be coaches and when it's time to just let let the, you know let kids be kids and uh, it makes for a much much or a I, I won't say it comparatively it makes for a very good environment in which to, to for us to work and for those kids to to, to learn and grow uh, one more uh, what are you looking forward to most uh, honestly I'm looking forward to how much more interest in in love the, that we can kind of bring back to UNLV basketball. I think the, 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 the way that the community and the, the city and the alums and, and the fans have gone from game one to last night, it, it's, I mean, we, we, we told the seniors that in the, in the locker room last night. Like, that is because of you, you know, where we had maybe a 1,000 people for the first game and still with people with, you know, COVID questions and concerns ticket prices where they shouldn't have been which we'll discuss and and hopefully get changed very quickly for the next year Uh, you know to have what a 7,000 person difference is solely because of the that they're easy to root for and the fan you know the the city likes them and I think uh, you know having that built and that be the starting point going forward I think is when we play our first game next year, I think we'll have a, a, a great crowd and an energy for the game. And, and the recruits that are there and the player, the new players that come in, will, they'll believe us and see what we're talking about when we talk about how much Vegas loves running Rebel basketball. Very well said, Coach, and uh, I couldn't, couldn't echo those words more. That, that sounds fantastic. Uh, we are, I guess, running out of time. Uh, seems a little early, but, uh, oh, that's okay. Ari, great job as usual. I want to thank all the folks here at Bailiwick for uh, their fantastic uh, work uh, this year and being our hosts. Uh, Really appreciate them. Uh, Steve, Curtis, Coach, 
all of you who come out. Really appreciate it. Listen in on Saturday as the Rebels finish up. Come on out during the tournament and uh, see how far the Rebels can make a run this year. It's been wonderful this year. We'll see you again, hopefully back here next year. Thank you very much. The Runnin' Rebels Coaches Show, presented by Fenley Toyota. Also brought to you by Boyd Gaming, Be Connected, proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. And by Fenley Chevrolet. Frankly, we're customer-driven. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation of the Rebels Sports Network.